to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez alongside Tyler Burton this evening. Man, life's been in the way. We haven't been able to get the full trio in for a podcast in what seems like a month at this point, but we'll get everybody back here soon. Tyler, before we get anywhere, I do have a question for you, though. Can we do a podcast without an abs update, even though Corbin is not on the podcast this evening? Well, I was actually, I know that Corbin is not on the podcast tonight, um, dealing with closing on a house and everything, but uh, I will kind of give a preemptive sum, Avs update. Avs are up 2-1 to one in the series, uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's the extent of the update, Adam. But no, things are going good. Um, obviously, been a couple weeks since we've had the full gang here for a podcast, uh, just kind of, you know, life happening, some things coming up, but... Uh, Adam, the show goes on. I, I never would have thought I would be so excited to be doing a podcast on June 21st with zero football discussion. Softball is already over, and we're going to basically just spend the next 20 to 30 minutes talking nothing but Oklahoma baseball, and I'm actually excited about it. So the show goes on, and Skip Johnson, man, what what more can we say? Yeah, it it was kind of a joke like three months ago or two months ago, even like, Oh, we're going to do an entire baseball podcast with nothing but baseball talk. Like, Damn it. And, <laughs> but here we are. And how awesome is this? We've got the, you know, OU playing in the world series, one win away from the final uh, championship series, which at this point it's looks incredible. like Ole Miss is in the driver's seat on that side of the mm-hmm. bracket. Now, um, it, it will be against Texas A&M. We know that that game just wrapped up about an hour ago. And, um, Man, I know you beat them pretty handily on Friday, but they have me a little bit nervous. Um, now, before we we chat, I guess more in depth about you know the road ahead for OU or even what they've accomplished to this point in the World Series in Omaha, I do want to take a little bit of a journey into the time machine and go back. I, I went back. I listened to the episode, the very first episode this year that we talked about OU baseball. I did it mm-hmm. so the listeners didn't have to, and I pulled out some of the the best quotes. Now, fortunately for Tyler. And uh, for Corbin, even though he's not here tonight, I was the one that was doing all the talking on baseball. So all these, (laughs) all the freezing cold (laughs) takes, um, I'll I'll just read a couple of them really quickly. I listed it as, I said, I transitioned from softball to baseball saying from one sport that uh, does not disappoint to a sport that will probably disappoint us in a month. Uh, That was my transition into baseball. (laughs) I know. Ouch for sure. I said a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, let's not waste a good season from, from Peyton Graham. He's, he's absolutely delivered, but man, look at all the guys around him up and down the lineup that have shown up. Some of them completely unknown. Some of them that we, we kind of knew of, but have taken big steps this year. And, uh, man, he's gotten support all across the board and there's been times where he hasn't even been the the best hitter, most reliable hitter on this team. Uh, so super impressive. Uh, just, yeah, I think the overall lineup. I think they've said it multiple times on the broadcast over the first two games. I'm talking about how Peyton Graham, if he isn't the best, he's one of the best players in this College World Series right now, just having an incredible back half of the season. Uh, and, you know, Adam, I, I really don't even know if he's been the best player in that lineup when you look and see what Jackson, Jackson Nicholas has done in both games, timely hitting. Obviously, everybody is going to remember for a long, long time that grand slam against Texas A&M in game one, which helped OU get out to a fast start and, you know, really kind of suffocate the Aggies before they really even had a chance to, uh, you know, f- f- I, I guess kind of, you know, get into the game. Um, but then, you know, also looking at a guy like Tanner Treadway, um, who's been a guy who's kind of been, you know, a consistent uh, you know, s- staple all season long with his performances, both on defense and behind and 
you know, in the batter's box. And, you know, here he was three for four, two RBIs, two runs scored uh, in the, you know, game two win over Notre Dame. So it's just, it's been a lot of fun to watch this baseball team over the past couple of months. Um, You you know, this is, this is a lineup that's able to score runs in many different ways. Uh, You know, they can hit the long ball, but it's also kind of fun, you know, going back to the Notre Dame game, watching him, you know, steal bases, you know, put the ball in play, you know, uh, you know, uh, I forget who it was, but, you know, slap or faking a bunt and slapping a base hit into the gap, you know, scoring two runs. So seeing all these different ways that OU is able to manufacture runs, uh, it, it, it's been it's been really fun to watch. And it just kind of, you know, it goes hand in hand with the success that they're having. And it's um, it, it's going to be another tough matchup tomorrow. I was telling, you know, you and Corbin in the group chat is Notre Dame and Texas a kind of got underway. I was cheering for Notre Dame. Um, just because you know Texas A&M, their starting pitching is the weak link for for that team, but there are their lineup is as good as anybody's uh, that's you know still left in, in the College World Series. So um, Oklahoma was able to find success against their pitcher in Game One early and often, and you know kind of chasing him early, and really that game was never in question to be um, you know after about the second or third inning. But you know Adam, pretty good stat here, Texas A&M since. The game one lost Oklahoma. They've outscored Texas and Notre Dame in both of their wins, fifteen to three. So Texas A and M, they can you know they can make you play if you're not playing your if you're not playing your A game, and that's kind of one of the questions that all I know that we'll dive into here in a second is who Skip throws out there uh, against Texas A and M tomorrow. You don't have to win uh, the first game tomorrow, but in a perfect world, you would have to think how great would it be if you could throw David Sandlin out there, maybe treat tomorrow as a bullpen day. If the bats are, are you know, if Oklahoma swinging the bats, well, you can get eight, 10, 12 runs from your lineup. Then beating Texas A&M tomorrow, you've got your pitching rotation set for that championship series, being able to throw Jake Bennett and Kate Horton, both will be on full, uh, you know, full amount of rest. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see what Skip decides to do uh, on the pitcher's mound tomorrow. Yeah, he's pretty much all but said it's a lock that David Sandlin's going to get the start. It's got to be right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the fan base, a lot of them that just arrived this past weekend, <laughs> have basically yeah. said, "Oh, why would you start Sandlin? You got to start Bennett. Like you can't trust mm-hmm. Sandlin." And out of the last eight games that David Sandlin has has started, OU went six and two in those games, and I think mm-hmm. there's. People that just showed up this past Friday saw Sandlin come in for an inning and wasn't really that great. Um, Or maybe they saw him uh, the previous weekend against Virginia Tech in the one game that OU lost in Blacksburg and have an opinion on him. Um, But Sandlin is a guy that can pitch really well. He's not as good as Kate Horton. Mm -hmm. Kate Horton's just red hot right now. He might even be the best pitcher in all of Omaha uh, the mm-hmm. way that he had those uh, Irish batters just fanning air constantly what is it, 11 strikeouts on Sunday career it was high career it was high, incredible yeah he he's surging so much right now he's continually getting better every single mm-hmm. start that he has but that doesn't mean that Sandlin is trash I mean Sandlin has yeah. been a guy that mm-hmm. he's had some ups and downs throughout the year but for the most part has been a pretty reliable guy. And especially in a ballpark like Omaha in, uh, in, in the Chuck, as everyone's referring to it now, the Charles Schwab uh, stadium, that's a ballpark that I think he can do pretty well in because now today I, I know they were saying that the wind was blowing out, you know, favoring some of the more of the long ball. But if that becomes neutral or starts blowing in at all, I think that really does set up well for, for David Sandlin. And you do have to, you do have to trust your guys at some point. You can't win a championship with two pitchers. Mm-hmm. You can once you get there, I guess, but you can't get to a championship with two pitchers. Right. 
So you do have to throw sail at some point. You have to trust some other guys. And, you know, hopefully you don't have to play a game on Thursday. But if you do, you never know that maybe Ole Miss or Arkansas is not playing a game as well on Thursday. And, and you come in basically on equal footing at that point. Well, and I think, you know, it, it I think it, you know, it kind of bodes well for Oklahoma. The fact that they do have a third option, David saying that, that they can throw out there, that Skip's going to have all the confidence in the world that he can go out there and get the job done. Uh, but also, you know, people are people on social media, or, you know, people calling in on the radio are talking about, you know, you've got to start Jake Bennett. You know, he's been dominant all year. He's already beaten the Aggies once. You know, he's I think he'll be on full rest come tomorrow, or maybe one day short. Uh, of a full rest close week. enough but, at this point but you've you've got an extra game to play with you can bank on you obviously don't want to get to you know a winner take all game kind of like what OU softball found their uh, found themselves in uh in the women's college world series but Jake Bennett the Aggies have already seen him so being able to throw another guy out there that you know uh David Sandler even though he did kind of struggle in the first game it was in a reliever type role so him being able to go through his typical pregame routine starting the game on the mound as the starting pitcher um, I'm very, very excited to see what we're going to see from David. And we all kind of know his story, some of the things that he and his family have had to overcome, you know, you know the past few weeks especially. So uh, Skip giving the ball to him, got all the confidence in the world in him. And, you know, Adam, I think that over the course of this postseason, but it's really kind of hit uh, It's really kind of hit home here in, in Omaha. And there's to me there's been um, kind of two key ingredients that have has led to Oklahoma being so successful. And it's something that's going to have to continue tomorrow and hopefully – OU's going to have to be able to do it, you know, going into the championship series should we get there. Uh, but one, it's fast starts offensively uh, and no free passes uh, from the starting pitching. Between Jake Bennett in game one, Kate Horton in game two, only one combined walk between the two starting pitchers in 12 combined innings. So when you've got an offense like what Oklahoma's doing right now where they're jumping out on teams early, you know, scoring eight runs in the first two innings against Texas A&M, uh, playing small ball, figuring out a way to get a 2 nothing lead in the first couple of innings against Notre Dame, that gives your pitchers all the confidence in the world. It allows them to kind of relax, settle into the game. They know that, hey, I don't have to be perfect. Uh, I, I've, got a, I've got a comfortable lead. I know my guys have got my back. So I think that those two things right there have been critical uh, towards the success that Oklahoma's had so far this postseason. Yeah, and for Sandlin on the mound tomorrow on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the same recipe for success that Jake Bennett had this past Friday is throw a strike on the first pitch because A&M's not Mm -hmm. the type of team that wants to swing the bat. They want to drag it out as much as possible. And I think in some ways, especially just because that carries over strategically to your defense as well, I think the longer the game goes, the more errors that their defense is going to make. So, um, but from, you know, being on the plate perspective, they, they bring that same mentality. So throw a strike on your first pitch. It's basically mm-hmm. almost a freebie. So get ahead in the count, set yourself up for success and, and make it tougher on, on their batters to be able to shut them down. The same thing that Jake Bennett did. So if, if that can happen, if Sandlin can give you five, six good innings, I think you can go to a Chaz Martinez, maybe uh, some other guys that haven't pitched at all, uh, you know, uh, Carson uh, Campbell or, or Carson Atwood, rather. Um, so there's been some guys that haven't seen the mound. Then you've got a guy like Jared Godman, who, yeah, he hadn't pitched in about a month, but came in against the Irish and was he faced a little bit of adversity, but he threw some heat in that one inning yeah. of appearance. A guy that has, yeah, he appeared a month ago, but you have to go back probably even a month before that to get his most meaningful recent performance. Mm-hmm. Cause he pitched in a couple different games that were really out of hand at that point. So he really, it was kind of like just throw him out there cause it's an arm, but man, he came back at a key time and, and skip's been talking about him even before he came back in that appearance about 
how good of a teammate he's been and how, how engaged he's still been at this point, a guy that was supposed to be the closer coming into the year and really couldn't hang on to that spot, couldn't perform there and comes back in a key moment and does something like that. And I think that speaks to the culture of where this team is at this point. They look so comfortable. They look loose. They're, they're laying their bodies on the line on the field in some champ, what I would call a championship yep. level play. And mm-hmm. man, it, it just feels like this is, I guess I don't really want to say it, but it feels kind of like a team of destiny in a way. Well, and it, it, it's, it's so much fun to watch, but it's, it, it's amazing to see how comfortable and how relaxed this team is when you consider the fact that this is a, this is a roster and this is a lineup that is very, very young at its core. I mean, we're only talking about one senior that Oakland's going to be, you know, losing eligibility wise off of this team going into the next season. That's Tanner Treadaway. Um, but when, like I said, you know, starting pitching in Jake Bennett and Kate Horton, you've gotten exactly what you needed from those two guys. You've gotten big hits from Treadway, Graham, Jackson, Nicholas. So um, this team is just playing, you know, complimentary baseball right now at the perfect time. And, you know, Adam, we, we talked about this, you know, all the way back in, you know, the month of March when this team was, you know, 16 and 12. There was absolutely no forecast of them, uh, you know, getting a regional berth, much less even thinking about Supers or going to the College World Series, but just – we, we always talk about it, you know, and, and I think it goes with any sport, in college football, in college basketball, peaking at the right time, playing your best ball of the year uh, in the most critical time of the season uh, is where it matters most. And Oklahoma has been the hottest team in the country uh, the, over the past couple of months, maybe outside of Stanford and Ole Miss, which Ole Miss kind of were one game away uh, from having a matchup with the Rebels. But, no, it, it's just been so much fun to watch. The The storylines are everywhere. I mean, what, what Skip has done um, with, with this pitching staff, particularly the starters, what this offense has been able to do time and time again, coming up with the big hit in the critical situations, being able to settle into the game early and often, um, it, it's been a really good recipe for success. And, you know, Adam, I, I saw a statistic the, the other day. Oklahoma won the first their first two games in the in the College World Series. The last two times that Oklahoma has won both of their opening games, they went on to win the national championship in 1951 and 1994. So I'm still kind of tampering my expectations, kind of like you've been talking about for the last couple podcast episodes. Um, but it's I, it just kind of feels like like you said a team of destiny, and you know party like it's 1994. Yeah, AM definitely has me nervous. I, I think they're gonna really stretch this. 100%, team, but 100%. At the same they're desperate. Time, yeah, and, and at the same time, like you mentioned, this OU team though continually gets better. It this is a better team than was playing in Gainesville three weeks ago. This is a better team than was playing in Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago. So they continually get better. A part of big part of that is the pitching. The pitching has really come along. They've been able to play more condensed uh, you know, rotations. They've got a ton of rest in between games at this point in Omaha. So it's just formatted really well for this team to to be successful, in my opinion. Now, the hitting's always been there ever since probably about the middle of the year, and they're, they're still averaging 8.3 runs a game. So that's enough to score with the likes of A&M. It'll be interesting if OU faces up with Ole Miss in a championship series, what that looks like, because the Ole Miss pitching has been incredible. Mm-hmm. So does mm-hmm. does OU need like four or five runs, and that's about it at that point? We'll see. Um, hopefully, hopefully OU will have a chance to, um, to get in that matchup. But... Uh, I, I did want to pull one quote out from the time machine again, because I thought it was kind of hmm. interesting. I said way back, this is, I think, after the very first weekend, if OU can be competitive and make a regional, that's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's just funny how like 
at the beginning of the year, and, and there were not a lot of us paying attention. We've here on this podcast, we give some mention to OU baseball and a lot of the other smaller sports, at least a, you know, a couple minutes here and there um, throughout the season. But even we who were, I would say more plugged in than most, uh, if you weren't inside that locker room, like you did not see this coming and maybe they didn't either inside the locker room. They just, mm-hmm. they found their way here. And it's the culture on this team is seemingly night and day different than last year. Last year, I know there were rumors of people that were not happy. It was kind of a split locker room and man, it just, they seem so loose and comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the, the camaraderie amongst this group and the culture um, that you can just see just by watching this team, you know, not just with the way that they play, but the way that they interact with each other, you know, seeing some of the stuff behind the scenes, this is a really tight knit group uh, that, that Skip has got this year. And like I said, I'm just, I, I'm very excited to see. I almost hate the fact that it's going to end. Um, but, you know, we talk about, talked about it time and time again, you know, one of the worst parts um, about, you know, once, once spring is over going all the way into summer, there's kind of that long stretch where we're just kind of dying as Oklahoma fans waiting for Oklahoma football to get here, waiting for, uh, you know, our, our number one sport, but waiting for some type of athletics to return that way we can be entertained. And, you know, softball did their thing, baseball going on the run that the, that they're doing right now. Um, baseball is going to take us all the way to the end of June. So where we're really going to only have about four to six weeks of true off season before football gets ramped back up. So hopefully this team can close it out in a big way. And if the schedule, if I'm, if I'm right on what the schedule is, Adam, by the time we record next, we'll know whether this team's won a national championship or not. Right. Cause the, the championship I guess barring any Saturday, type of right. Like, yeah. It'll wrap up by Monday evening. I guess barring any type of like rain delay or anything like that. Okay. So, I do. I do have a quick question for you um, per- pertaining to tomorrow's game when Oklahoma faces the Aggies at one p.m. If you're Skip Johnson, knowing that you have that extra game in your back pocket, should the first game not go well tomorrow, knowing that, how short of a leash do you give David Sandlin and maybe other members of this pitching staff that come in? I mean, are you basically saying? Uh, I think it's safe to say Jake Bennett and Kate Horton are not going to touch the baseball tomorrow. I think we can say that. Maybe Trevin Michael doesn't touch the baseball tomorrow. He's been active in both games so far this series. Um, but how how short is that leech tomorrow? Do you if if AM gets up, do you kind of, you know, maybe concede knowing that you can go back to Bennett in game two on Thursday? Or what do you think Skip's approach is going to be regarding this pitching staff tomorrow? I'm not even convinced that Skip would go with Jake Bennett on Thursday if that game occurred, simply because at that point, A&M is, is worn out some of their arms, um, unless they have a guy go full nine innings uh, tomorrow for Wednesday. And maybe you can just say, hey, we can start Trevin Michael like we did on the Monday game at Florida, or maybe we start Chaz yeah. Martinez, or maybe we just make it a full-on bullpen game. We say outscore us. Um, mm-hmm. We think we can outscore you guys. And then you, and maybe you have Jake Bennett in your back pocket and you bring him in like you did on that Monday game at Florida and say, Hey, we're not afraid to use them, but like, we're going to hold that, that card in our back pocket if we need it. Right. So I could still see that as far as Sandlin goes tomorrow. I don't know that I'm too worried about that. I think you, you look at him saying, Hey, we're going to use him on Wednesday and we've got him for the, the game three in a world series uh, finale if we need him. Uh, and then, you know, every arm available on deck um, rest is kind of goes out the window at that point. You just throw what you can. So I guess I, I, w- I don't know. I wouldn't overthink it too much. Just stick to your guns. And, um, and 
even if the game does get a little bit out of hand, I don't know that it's necessarily out of reach. This team is hitting incredible right now. You've got <laughs> Tanner Treadway that's over 500. I think he's 532 in the postseason. That number's gone up since he got mm-hmm. to Omaha, which is incredible. Uh, you've got yeah. every single guy in the lineup, including uh, Sebastian Orduño. Uh, it's filling in that designated hitter spot. Every single one, one through nine, over uh, 400 on on base percentage, which is wow. is pretty crazy. You've got... I think we're down to just five guys hitting over 300 now that Brett Squires is out of the lineup, but you've got some other guys that are, are right there. And then the, the freshmen, like you mentioned, Jack Nicholas, uh, Jackson Nicholas, just uh, some timely hitting. Wallace Clark, it, you can't really recall too many hits from Wallace Clark, but man, he puts quality at bats together, whether it's, you know, a 10 pitch, mm-hmm. um, you know, out, ground out, or if it's, hey, I'm just going to get on base with a walk. Like he does the little things that, just put guys yeah. on base. Um, so and flash the leather at third base too. Been yeah, that was really an incredible nice snack Absolutely. he had. Yeah, I mean saving a saving a runner there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only batter that I really want to see more out of, and I he's definitely capable, is Blake Robertson. And Corbin and I talked about him last week, kind of being an X factor, and he hasn't really had that moment. I feel like it's coming because this dude was averaging something like 396, 392 when we were playing Kansas in the middle of the year. And it's been a slow, steady drop off to where he's just, he's, he gets some RBIs because of the guys in front of him in the lineup are on base and he'll find his way into a ground out that scores a guy, but man, he just hasn't had much of that hitting (laughs) impact that he was having in the middle of the year. Well, that, that's one of the things I was just about to say. Look at what Oklahoma's been able to do. Yeah, you know, they've scored 19 runs in two games, and they've really been able to do this without, you know, uh, I don't want to say, you know, good hitting. Just I mean, both of these guys have been good, but they haven't really had, uh, you, you know, guys like uh, Kendall Pettis or Blake Robertson that have, you know, uh, been uh, that have made an impact uh, in the lineup over the course of the first two games. So if, if OU can get those two guys going in addition with what you're seeing with PG, uh, Treadway, Jackson, Nicholas, and the rest of the boys, uh, the, the Oklahoma is going to be a very, very tough out. And, you know, kind of like what we, what we talk about with softball, Adam, uh, with Bennett, with Horton, with the rest of the staff and the lineup, you know, playing as well as they are right now, is somebody going to be able to beat this team two times out of three? It's going to start tomorrow. Yeah. Do you think with the way that the men's world series is set up differently than softball, that the non crossover in this particular scenario favors OU? Because I believe if I remember correctly, if there was a crossover, like there is in softball, OU would be playing Auburn or Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. I would have had a chance at playing one of those, I guess. Honestly, I don't mind this type of format um, just because, I mean, this kind of is like traditional bracket play. I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. this is this is two different pools. You win your pool, you go to the championship series. So I, I like this format the way that it is right now, double elimination. I feel like in, in this type of scenario where you've got four teams on one side, four, ti- four teams on the other, because it's double elimination, because it is kind of sort of a round robin, the best team in each pod, is going to be representing their that side in the championship series. So I do like that a little bit better um, than what we see on the Women's College World Series side of things here in Oklahoma City where, um, you know, o- Oklahoma, you know, they might win a couple of games or they might they might lose a game and then, um, you know, they're going to get thrown maybe the best team from the other side of the bracket. So, um, but no, th- this has been a lot of fun to watch. I like that the, the way that they've got it formatted. I like multiple days in between games um, just because I think that that's something – um, that uh, it, it guarantees you to get the best, you know, the the best caliber of baseball 
uh, from all of these teams. Everybody's well-rested. Um, coaches have an opportunity to put together scouting reports, be able to practice, be able to implement those strategies that we see on game days. So we saw a little bit of a change with it in softball, having you know a little bit more rest time in between games. But I think that this men's college World Series uh, has knocked it out of the park with the way that they've structured everything. Well, OU's going to be able to set them up, set themselves up for some major success mm-hmm. if they can win in the afternoon tomorrow. Ideally, you would like to have the evening game there so you could know if Ole Miss is having to play an extra game. But mm-hmm. um, I think that would determine some pitching matchups, and maybe that'll give Ole Miss a little bit of an advantage if they do get down early and just saying, you know, throw in the, the young guys maybe. But um, yeah. But yeah, if OU can win, that sets them up for probably a matchup against Ole Miss. I think Arkansas would be the other one that would have mm-hmm. a, a decent chance there. Auburn, who is who I'd much like rather play in a in a final series, but I think they uh, they have an uphill battle to get there. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss and Arkansas. I know people may look at them and say they're unseated, or Ole Miss was the last team into the tournament, but. Both these teams were top five preseason teams. They have absolute mm-hmm. studs on the lineup, um, you know, on the mound, uh, at the plate. So they can play. They may have had up and down years getting to Omaha, but they're they're humming at the right time. And that's what it's going to be. You're going to have to beat the best um, teams at this point. And they're probably looking across, you know, the dugout to COU there. And they're thinking, man, that's not a team I want to match up with either. But uh, it'll be a dogfight if you can get there. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, dream scenario, um, if you're Oklahoma going to tomorrow, is if you can get six to seven innings from David Sandlin, if you can figure out a way to win tomorrow's game against Texas A&M. And let's not forget, too, Texas A&M is not going to be throwing their ace. Their, their ace through today against Notre Dame, being able to extend their season and play Oklahoma tomorrow. But if you can figure out a way to get six or seven innings out of David tomorrow, beat Texas A&M, and then maybe, maybe Ole Miss drops the the game tomorrow night against Arkansas, being and that forces them to have to use – you know, whether Oklahoma plays Ole Miss or Arkansas, that forces both of those teams to have to burn nine more innings of, of pitching, you know, yeah. in that bullpen. So if Oklahoma can figure out a way to, to take care of business tomorrow, then you've got your pitching rotation perfectly set up for games one and two of the championship series. So um, it, it's like I said, I, I think that Oklahoma has the talent. They've got the pitching. But um, if, if OU can figure out a way to win the game, to win game one tomorrow without having to use Bennett or Cade Horton, then I think that it sets up, you know, it sets up perfectly for Oklahoma to to go in there and win this thing. I do want to get your opinion on the Jello shots challenge. Have you been following the Twitter account, dude? The amount of money that that bar has made just by <laughs> basically taking a whiteboard and tweeting out a, a contest. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Jello shot fan. Um, I probably haven't had a Jello shot since college. We're not going to talk about how long ago that was, but no, I'm. It's crazy. It's crazy. Stanford, what are we doing? <laughs> I just don't I mean, think Stanford on. has a very big fan base. But I, I, I yeah, four fifty a shot's crazy. I, I don't. Maybe I'm not aware of it, but surely there's a charity involved here because that is insane profit that this bar is making, and they're allowing fans that aren't even inside the bar to just mm-hmm. basically give money. They don't even have to eat the get uh the jello shot at all yeah in fact yesterday i think there was some like outdoor brand of some kind from arkansas that just bought a thousand shots because yep. they could i'm like that just seems kind of 
That seems weird, well, but it's perfect that, that Arkansas and Ole Miss are leading it, right? I think that there was one Arkansas fan that spent like $4,500 just so he could buy a 1,000 jello shots so that it would put Arkansas at the top. But, yeah, Arkansas leads right now 6,526. Ole Miss is in second at 5,428. And then the next highest team is Texas A&M at 611. So OU's not pulling last. We're actually uh, – Looks like we're in a tie for four, or we're we're in about number four right now, so not not too bad. But uh, I'm just trying to do some math right now to try to figure out how much money well, Ro- Rocco's think, Jello Shot Challenge has brought in. That and I bar. think Arkansas alone was at like twenty nine thousand dollars, and the fact that this basically has just become an easy way for this bar to make money makes me almost want OU to not be anywhere close to the top of, of the standings <laughs> when it's all said and done, because it almost just seems like a money grab. It's a great marketing ploy, but you have to be consuming the jello shots for them to count. You can't just do it from afar, in my opinion. So, and again, this is a leaderboard that hasn't, according to Twitter, there hasn't been an update that's been posted in eight hours, um, but there have been a total of... 14,059 Jello shots purchased and consumed. We're going to say consumed because you know what? If you're going to buy them, you might as well take them. So you take that times $4.50 a shot. Adam, what was the name I did? Dead gum. I'm going to hit the wrong button. Shit. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Calculators are, are hard. Okay, here we go. Come on. Six, five, two, six. Three, Great five, podcasting right here. We're That's... doing math live. Here we go. Carry the one. Come on now. It's a, it's a big enough donation to at least get you into the club level at an OU football game. $63,265.50 worth of Jello shot money. Not too shabby for a week's worth at Rocco's. Not bad. Maybe we can get some of that money donated to the stadium project for OU Baseball. This was, uh, I guess, my last bullet point that I want to chat about. Mm-hmm. OU announced, I'm giving air quotes, if you're not watching us on YouTube or seeing some of our clips maybe on social media, but uh, OU announced the future of Eldale Mitchell Park. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that I thought we already knew about. I think the only thing that was new to me was like a player development center, which was kind of a bigger building right there uh, along Imhoff Avenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. It's it didn't seem like a new announcement to me. Am I am I just being a Johnny Raincloud on everyone's parade here? It, it seems like stuff we already knew about. I think a lot of it's some of the stuff we knew about. Um, I mean, Adam, we knew about a lot of this stuff, you know, during our time work, <laughs> working at OU. So it wasn't any surprise to us. Um, but no, I, I think that that's what everybody was kind of expecting whenever it got, you know, kind of leaked an hour or two beforehand that OU baseball was going to be, you know, making this, you know, eye opening announcement. And then, you know, there it is. So, uh, but no, I think it was what it was $30 million is what they doubled the price tag. Yeah. Doubled the price five tag, years so. ago. Yeah trying to you know just you know just like how we used to do with tickets you know trying to take advantage of this momentum and you know see if we can get a few more dollars in the piggy bank to to kind of ride the way that OU baseball is in right now and you know what if if they win if they win a national championship this weekend build the damn thing let's get let's get uh uh construction going for both baseball and softball um over on that part of campus so both of those teams will just will deserve it. But like I said, if, if they figure out a way to win a national championship, Adam, I cannot wait to come back on here next uh, next episode to, you know, kind of fully wrap up what's been just a 
just a roller coaster of a season for this 2021-2022 team um, with, you know, the way that they struggled coming out of the gate, especially with the bullpen finding themselves uh, at the start of conference play, going on that impressive five, you know, five series wins in a row uh, to win the Big 12 tournament, to win the, to, you know, go on the road to Gainesville, go on the road. Uh, and win a super regional. It, it's it's fantastic. Can't can't say enough good things about what Skip's done, and they got to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You've got Ole Miss that is most likely to make it to that final series on the other side of the bracket. They have not lost in the postseason at all. Have not played a game at home in twelve and twelve and zero. Yeah, and then you've got A and M who you've got to beat at least once, and they until playing OU in Omaha this past Friday had not lost in the postseason at all either. Mm-hmm. So it, it there's no easy path um, to a national championship, but at the same time, I mean, who would you rather roll with? This OU team is as hot as anyone. Our, our pitching has come together and people from the national scene still don't even, I, I think people are starting to come around Jake Bennett and Cade Horton, but they're still looking on full season stats that don't tell the story of how good this team is right now. Are you at a point right now, Adam, to where if this team does come up short, you will be disappointed? Or regardless of what happens the rest of the way, you're happy as an OU baseball fan with what this team has accomplished? I'm extremely happy with what this team has accomplished. I mean, look at all the football-only fans that started paying attention this past weekend. (laughs) I mean, that in itself is a feat because – I, I always used to joke that like OU fans had no idea that baseball had started until like a month into the season, um, just because they're so obsessed with football. No matter what time of year it is, they they only want to do that. And some OU fans are kind of sickos; like they take pride in not cheering for other sports teams. I'm like, okay, like you don't have to watch every game or go to every game, but pay attention here and there. Like, know what's going on. Follow the team on Twitter. Like, know if they won or lost. It takes very little effort, but. Yeah, you can't be mad at what this team has accomplished, even no. if they lose two in a row. This is this is amazing. Now, I think, you know, if they do that, there's probably some critiques. You know, hey, you could have changed this, could have done this a little better. There's always room for improvement, but you have to be incredibly happy with where this team is because the future now looks really bright. You've got some momentum going mm-hmm. forward, and mm-hmm. it looks like there's hope for making this you know, a run of making the postseason on a regular basis and getting to Omaha every once in a while. Um, there's no reason that OU shouldn't be a program that's that's doing this on a regular basis. Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget too, this is a team that was, you know, projected to finish sixth in the regular season in the Big 12 Conference, so making this run all the way to Omaha. And, you know, Adam, we talked about, you know, the the facility renovations that are, that are coming up. OU's, you know, continuing to fundraise, uh, gather money so that they can start that project. But, you know, if you can if you can find a way to win a national championship this year, you've got the momentum already going in the SEC. I mean, the we talk about it. I mean, this is you know OU's probably what they're three games away from. I think the University of Oklahoma being able to claim you know this is stickball U. Uh, I mean both <laughs> both you know both Diamond Sports national championship trophies could reside here in Norman, Oklahoma. So just talk about the the momentum. Uh, that that would have for those two sports going into the SEC here within the next one to two years. It's going to be it's going to be great for the fan base. It's going to be great for the school. Uh, you know the the programs, the uh, the community in Norman, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I cannot wait to tune in tomorrow at one o'clock uh, to watch this next chapter unfold. Yeah, how cool would it be to add baseball to the championship celebration that softball's already got planned for this fall? Uh, that would be absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. So we shall see where this team goes. It's, Anything uh, else before we close it out? 
well, I mean, I was going to kind of save this for, for next episode, but I mean, if Skip Johnson can figure out a way to win a national championship, it, uh, it, I hope that our football coaches are taking notice, uh, maybe study a little bit how these uh, how these softball and baseball teams uh, close out the season and win a national championship. But no, it's uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I, I cannot wait for tomorrow and can't wait to see what David Salem, this uh, this team is going to do. If Skip doesn't win it, I say we fire him just to make the football coaches scared of what could happen if they don't win a championship. There you go. So. There you go. There you go. I motivates better than fear. So that'll do it for Clip us that. this week on the Mainline Podcast. Appreciate everyone listening. If you've made it this far, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed on uh, whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. Check us out on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. You can find us by searching the Mainline Podcast or on Twitter at the Mainline Pod. We will see everyone again next week, hopefully with a new trophy. Until then, have a great week, everybody.